Good evening, everybody. Good evening. I'm always tempted to do that Alfred Hitchcock thing. Good evening. Ah, well, this is my fifth year here, and, and it's like we finally got around to doing a Good Friday service. Um, praise the Lord. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we're going to do tonight uh, before we uh, have some worship music and and all. Um, as I prayed about this, I remembered back in Nehemiah chapter 8, where uh, there they were on the first day of the month of Tishri, which is uh, the Jews' Feast of Trumpets. It's also Rosh Hashanah. That's the Jewish New Year. And they, the, the Jews had come back from 70 years of exile. And they were hungry spiritually. And so coming back from exile, Nehemiah, as I mentioned on Sunday, he came back to rebuild the walls around the city. And so that was his particular task. And then Ezra, the priest, came back to get the temple. They had to do a lot of repairs. The Babylonians had thrashed it. And so they were repairing the temple. And while they were doing that, they found a copy of the law, uh, meaning probably the first five books of Moses. And so there they were, starved for their homeland, starved for worship, and starved for the word of God. Nehemiah 8, the first three verses, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in the open square that is in front of the water gate until, from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So in the verses which follow, I'm not going to go into it here, uh, they build a wooden stand for Ezra to stand on because he wanted to be able to project his voice for everybody to hear him and see him. And, and then... At that moment, he opens the book, and he opens the scroll of the, the book of the law. And when he does that, all of Israel stands up. They get up on their feet. I mean, this is a scene. They get up on their feet, and, and Ezra asks a blessing from God on that holy convocation, which was essentially an assembly. They, they were getting together uh, in one place. And the people, uh, they answer as he asks this blessing. They say, amen, amen. While lifting up their hands and bowing their heads, they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And we're told further in Nehemiah chapter 8 that as they read the, the word of God, as they, and without comment, it says that they were giving clarification because remember, they had been away for 70 years. The predominant language that they knew was Aramaic and the law was written in Hebrew. So there were people that were helping them to understand, giving clarification. They weren't making comments, though. It was the word of God alone. And we're told that the people were, they were, like what we're going to see when we get back to our, our study in the book of Acts on Sunday morning, the people were pierced. It says that they lifted up their voices and they wept as the word of God went out. And I got to thinking about that, Paul, that 
here we are, we're remembering the, the crucifixion of our Lord and, and remembering that we commemorate this day, uh, one of the highest days in the Christian calendar, because without the cross, the resurrection couldn't happen. Without the cross, our sin could not be atoned for. It couldn't be paid for without the cross. We would be without hope, floundering in a sea of sin. And not just other people's, our own. And so as I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? For, for Where do you want us to go as a church? On Good Friday, I, I began to think, I, I want to, and I did a, a, a lot of searching. I want to find a blended account of the Gospels. And, and to where it... And, and every time you blend the Gospels, unless you have like a huge layer of information, there are some things that drop out. So that's not the point. But blending the Gospels gives us a really well-rounded view of what's going on pertaining to the crucifixion. So tonight, after we worship, I'm going to simply read. Uh, I'm not going to give commentary. God is really good at taking care of speaking to people himself. <laughs> you don't need me. I love to tell uh, our church here, look, <laughs> if you have an issue, take it up with the Lord. I, I'm, just a, I'm just a divine paper boy. I didn't write the paper. He's called me to throw it in your yard. And, and, <laughs> and that's really a safe, and it's not copping out. It's the same. Truly, the word of God is, is brought to us by the spirit of God. It's the, the, the word of God being driven into the hearts of the people of God by the spirit of God. And that's what my prayer is tonight. That as I read that I would disappear because Jesus says, my people, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's our intention tonight. That's what we want to do. And so I'll read this. And I just invite you, come along, allow God to minister to your heart and allow him to speak to you, to speak to your spirit. Allow him to impress upon you in a fresh way the impact of the crucifixion. So um, let's stand and and open with prayer, shall we? Let's do like Israel did. Everybody stand up and I'm going to crack open my tablet. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, well, Father... We're humbled as we come into your presence, as we consider the culmination of not only Jesus's earthly ministry, but his earthly life. And Lord, all that that means to us, I pray, Father, by your Holy Spirit, that you would prepare fresh ground in each heart, that you would give us truly ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that understand those spiritual things that we need to be, we must be equipped with if we're to get anything from this. So we commit this time to you. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, that you would be blessed by this gathering tonight. And as we consider now and as we go back and we consider the cross, I pray, Father, that you would just give a fresh empowering and anointing upon each one to understand the significance personally. We give to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat. Won't make you stand for this.
Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. And it came about that when Jesus said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him, for they were afraid of the people. But they were saying, not during the festival, lest a riot occur among the people. And while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head as he reclined at the table. Some of the disciples were indignant when they saw this and were remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor, and they were scolding her. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she's done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do them good. But you don't always have me. For when she poured this perfume upon my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall also be spoken of in memory of her. Now Satan entered into Judas, while, who is called Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and the officers how he might betray him to them. He asked, what are you willing to give me to deliver him up to you? And they were glad when they heard this, and they weighed out to him 30 pieces of silver. And he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the multitude. Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare a Passover meal for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And Jesus said to them, Behold, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house as he enters, and you shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, My time is at hand. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they departed and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening had come, he was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And he said to him, You have said it yourself. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
And while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant in my blood. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who have Authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. But let him who is the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the servant. For who's greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Then Jesus said to them, you'll all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be, shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee But Peter answered and said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I shall never fall away. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, with you, I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing too. And he said to them, when I sent you out with a purse and a bag and sandals, you didn't, did not lack anything, did you? And they said, no, nothing And he said to them, but now let him who has a purse take it along. Likewise, also a bag and let him who has no sword sell his robe and buy one. For I tell you that which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for that which refers to me has its fulfillment. And they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went about a stone's throw away beyond them and fell on his face to the ground and prayed, saying, Abba, my father, all things are possible for you. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, 
but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they didn't know what to answer him. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy from sorrow. And he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a multitude with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he was betraying him, who was betraying him had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I shall kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And after coming, he immediately went to him, saying, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And they laid hands on him and seized him. But a certain one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, stop, no more of this. Put your sword back in its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen this way? And he touched his ear and healed him. And at that time, Jesus said to the multitudes and to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and the elders who had come against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, you did not seize me. But this hour and the power of darkness are yours. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled, including a certain young man who was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. And those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. And Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest to see the outcome. And after they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them, warming himself at the fire. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, seeing Peter warming himself as he sat in the firelight. She looked intently at him and said, You too were with Jesus the Nazarene. 
But he denied it before them all, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. And he went out onto the porch to the gateway, and another servant girl saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders, this man was with him too. This is one of them. This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he was denying it. And after about an hour had passed, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you're a Galilean too. The way you talk gives you away. But he began to curse and swear, I know, I do not know this man that you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, before a cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And when it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber. And the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order that they might put him to death. And they did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward, for many were giving false testimony against him. And yet their testimony was not consistent. And some stood up and began to give false testimony against him, saying, when I heard him say, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. And not even this, in this respect was their testimony consistent. And the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You've said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, Yes, I am. And tearing his clothes, the high priest said, He is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy ourselves from his own mouth. What do you think? How does it seem to you? And they answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then some men who were holding Jesus in custody began to spit at him and to blindfold him and to beat him with their fists. And others slapped him and were mocking him. Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. And the officers received him with slaps in the face. Now when morning had come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and they led him away, and they delivered him up to Pilate, the governor. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers wore a crown of thorns and put it on his head and and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they began to come up to him and to say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him blows in the face. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary 
and departed and went away and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it is the price of blood. And they counseled together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one of those, of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Then the whole body of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. And Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And Jesus therefore came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him and said, we have a law. And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard this statement, he was the more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me up to you has the greater sin. And Pilate said to the chief priests and to the multitudes, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying he stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. But when Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. Now, Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, for he wanted to see him for a long time because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. And he questioned him at some length, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there accusing him vehemently. And Herod, with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day, for they had been at enmity with each other. And Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, I have examined him before you, and I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. 
I will therefore punish him and release him. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, which in Hebrew is Gabbatha. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he, and he said to the Jews, behold, your king. And, and they therefore cried out away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitudes went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more saying, let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the multitude saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And the people answered and said, his blood be on us, on our, on our children. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and they put a purple scarlet robe on him. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they kneeled down before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off and put his garments on him and led him away to crucify him. As they were coming out, they found a man coming from the country, Simon the Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, whom they pressed into service and placed him on the cross, or placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And there were following him a great multitude of people and the women who were mourning and lamenting him. But Jesus turning to them said, daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green tree, what will happen in the dry? And two others also who were criminals 
were being led away to be put to death with him. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, but he did not take it. And Pilate wrote an inscription also and put it on the cross above his head. And it was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Therefore, this inscription, many of the Jews read, for the the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. And so the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I'm the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. The soldiers, therefore, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. And they said, therefore, to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things, and sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. But there were standing by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. And they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you who are going to destroy the the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. And in the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And the robbers also who had been crucified with him were casting the same insult at him. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the others answered in in rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And when the sixth hour had come, Darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, behold, he's calling for Elijah. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished 
in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I'm thirsty. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the sour wine, he uttered a loud cry, It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he bowed his head, breathed his last, and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this was the son of God. And many women were there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom was Mary Magdalene, along with Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The Jews, therefore, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies should not remain on the cross in the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Uh, the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he was seen, he who has seen has borne witness, and has, his witness is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may also believe. For these things come to pass, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their plan of action, a man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God, this man being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, gathered up courage and asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time and summoned the centurion. He questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Now in the place where he was, where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. And Joseph brought a clean linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in a linen cloth and laid him in his own new tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. The crucifixion. I don't know if you've been a Christian for a short time or for many years or decades. I've been a Christian for nearly 40 years and I can't read this without, without a strong response. I think about from eternity past 
that God in his foreknowledge, God in his, in his eternal plan, that he willed this. And, he, and it, how many times as we read this, do, do we see that the scripture may be fulfilled? How often does that take place in these narratives, in these combined narratives? One of the things that the natural man struggles with is the fact that God operates in the supernatural realm, beyond the natural realm. And one of the things that God does, and the reason why we have prophecy, is he tells what's going to happen before it does, that when it does, as John writes, that we may believe, that we may see, and that we may experience that these things are truth. And they're eternal truths. And they are truths that it is God's will be driven into each of our hearts as we consider the crucifixion, as we now turn our eyes and our minds on the resurrection. What a glorious, glorious thing that God has done. Um, I, there's times where I love to poke fun or, or make jokes or get people to laugh and all of that. But, you know, folks, this is sobering. It's also, it's, it's, it's also just something that as we take these things to heart and we need to ponder them, we need to, to take them and, and, and mold these things over, understand what they mean to us. This is sanctified stuff. And, and it's not funny. As I was looking online, I was looking at some different graphics and stuff. I was coming across some absolute blasphemous things that have to do with this. And I just, I just encourage you 